Welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host Scotty McCoy and boy do I have a surprise for all of you. For the second time on my show I have Greg Gilbert and he is the host of Python's Paradise and he is also if I'm not let me see if I get this right the co-producer of 13 Fanboy and is an associate producer of the Hearts of Darkness the making of the final Friday. Got it right? That is correct. That there is you correct. go. And uh, this is a switcheroo from him because he usually does all the interviewing and this time he is being interviewed. So how you doing, Greg? Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, I'll have you on uh, in the hot seat in January. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to what number is that? Number six? Number six. Crazy. Number six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's insane. And uh, it's funny because I remember when you first reached out to me for my interview, I it was not long after I published my first book, The Ultimate Friday the 13th Trivia Book. And you ended up uh, reaching out to me. And I remember I was driving home from work um, when I was working down by Philadelphia. And uh, I ended up getting a phone call, and, I mean, a uh, text message from me on Messenger. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he wants to do an interview. And I didn't know anything about you at the time. And uh, I'm just rushing my ass home as fast as I can. It was like an hour, it was an hour drive at the time. And I'm rushing my ass home just so I can uh, answer you. <laughs> and how many years has it been later? We've been friends ever since. Absolutely. I, that was 2017. Yeah. I've been doing the podcast since 2015. So you've been on mm-hmm. every year since. So Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, I'll keep coming back. And I'll, um, it seems like January is my year to be on your show and we're going to make it year. You mean year. January? January is your month. I mean, month. Yes. <laughs> Part of I, have this, <laughs> I have this thing and it does, it's not something that's systematic, you know, but when I, I, I got all my interviews listed down on my computer mm-hmm. by, um, Like I have everything listed and I know Mm -hmm. when people have been on and generally when I, um, and this is not the same for everybody. I mean, I've done four tributes to Zoe Tamerless Lund of Miss 45 and with her widow and they've been all four, all four have been different months, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, it's not that I need to do it that Mm -hmm. way. It's just when Mm -hmm. I come across the names on the calendar, it's like, ah, okay. Um, uh, uh, I should reach out to this person because otherwise, if it goes past, then <laughs> I could forget. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. since I'm on usually in January of every year, I'm making it a uh, you know a mission to have you on every December. Okay, that works for me. Yeah, make it every December. I think that that'll be great. We had you on December last year. Have you on December this year, December 2nd now, and we'll have you on sometime in December next year. Yeah. There like you go. That. Works yeah. for me. Right. Works so we, we know you you have your own podcast, Python's Paradise. So can you tell the audience what is Python's Paradise about? Well, the name Python's Paradise, Python comes from the fact that I'm a, I love snakes. I don't own one. I own a cat who's <laughs> over there. pretending to sleep so he can avoid coming on camera here (laughs) but um i i like snakes and i just call myself python it's a good really cool dj date now i actually call myself a python hyena 
because I um, I like the spotted hyena as well. Both are animals that generally get looked down on mm -hmm. by society because society doesn't understand them. And since I know what it's like to be that odd guy out, I know what it's like to be looked down on. I kind of gravitated towards that, but but I call myself Python. It's pretty cool name i kind of got the idea one night when i was watching american graffiti and that whole i that scene with uh richard dreyfus when he stops in to see to the radio station because he wants desperately to connect with the woman in the uh the white cadillac mm -hmm. which of course is suzanne summers and um he stops in and where wolfman jack is but the guy he sees, we know it's Wolfman Jack, but he doesn't know it because the guy, he's just a regular guy with a, the or something gone gone wrong where he's got this refrigerator full of popsicles that are mis uh, melting. <laughs> so he's just this guy eating, uh, trying to eat popsicles that are melting. He, he's a regular guy and he says, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get this message out as soon as I can. Blah, 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 blah for the Wolfman. But he doesn't know this is the Wolfman. And as he goes to leave, you know, he hears the Wolfman on the air. And he does this double takeover and he can see him on the air doing his Wolfman. Yeah. And the difference is, that, you know, when he was in person, he was being himself. Yeah. When he was on the air, he's the wolf man. There's something about that that intrigued me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I'm going to be the python. And um, Paradise, uh, I got that idea from the Phantom of the Paradise, which I've done a, a few interviews from. Because mm -hmm. I was like, you know, um, when I do these interviews and whatnot, my show is my paradise. It's my yeah. chance to get kind of lost in, in what I'm doing, something I enjoy when I'm, you know, not working, you know? So, because unlike you, I don't smile at work, you know, <laughs> at my job. <laughs> but, I, I, I love my job, though. And now that I work from home because of the pandemic, which is looking like it's going to be a every like a permanent work from home atmosphere now i get to smile even more this time in my underwear <laughs> yes i'm sure tyler ebert and amanda megan and brett harris they'll love that <laughs> they want to see pictures of course of course <laughs> and and it's funny because i started doing interviews because of you like i was really I really thought it was amazing that like interviewing these celebrities, I thought it was like a dream come true type of thing. It sounded so much fun. Like because I, before you, I never thought of doing it. And you, are you kidding me? Did I, never, I inspire that? You inspired really? that. Yes. I yes. had no idea. Yep. I real I had no idea until today. Until you mentioned it. <laughs> yep. Uh, you asked. Well, because, there you go. Yep. It's funny because you interviewed me in 2017 and my first interview was in, uh, was, I I it was with uh, Victor Miller because you reached out to Victor Miller on my behalf because he was on my Facebook and I was like, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So you're like, let me put a word in for you because you haven't had any interviews yet. And you put in a word for me at, to Victor Miller. And that's when I kind of got the, you know, then you're like, you can message him. So I messaged him. We set something up. He was my first interview on Skype. 
um, and we did the interview. I didn't, it was a horrible interview. It was a good interview, but it was horribly done because I didn't have really any good audio. I didn't have any good lighting. And even though it wasn't a video interview, I basically had my phone and held it up to my computer speaker. <laughs> so it, it was, and my first couple of interviews are really bad because I didn't know it was going to really pan out and take me where I am now. But you are the one that inspired me to actually start interviewing people and to start it with Victor Miller. And then I had Stu Charno and it went on from there. And uh, yeah, it, it was really, uh, it was amazing because like, I remember I worked until five o'clock, got home by six, eat dinner, have an interview by seven. <laughs> Never had Stu Charno. I reached out to him uh well this is the uh for uh 40th anniversary of yeah. friday the 13th part two i i haven't uh had anybody from friday the 13th part two on this year at all yeah. and i haven't really reached out to anybody because mm -hmm. I, I like i said i i got another job i work but where i get paid so i'm i'm kind of limited in what i can do but but I, Victor Miller, I've had on three times, you know, and he's just a, he's a terrific guy. He really and is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, it's funny because like people think like, oh, that's fun. And they probably make a lot of money interviewing all these celebrities and that, but it's, we don't make anything. We don't make anything from really doing this. Like this is something we do as a hobby. It, it might be a part-time job because you know we got to still do it just because the job doesn't mean it's not a hobby it doesn't mean it's fun that we don't enjoy doing it um but we don't get paid it's like a part-time job that we don't get paid to do um because we really enjoy interviewing the celebrities and our other guests that aren't you know really celebrities per se but are in say indie horror or are self-published indie authors and all that stuff and uh you introduced me to a plenty of people and people that a lot of people wouldn't even know charles rosenay great guy bobby heckman mike gutridge amazing people mm -hmm. that have their own connections and that have their own stories to tell and i love that you reach out to them type of people where they're they're not below us they are us you know something um Adam Marcus said this too, and so did Troy Elke. They said they like the fact that I will interview people that are beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to be beneath the surface. I was uh, not very well educated. I had a learning disability growing up. Mm -hmm. um, I um, was bullied a lot growing up. I know what it's like to be left out i know it's like to be the last guy to get picked for a team mm -hmm. and even though i'm the last one nobody wants me on their team yeah um one of the things i try to tell podcasters is don't turn people down mm -hmm. now i do have limits on me i'm not going to interview joe the plumber down the street you know it's not pop right. culture related you know right. but i and i don't want to mention names but uh I know um, there's podcasters out there that uh, will only interview the stars, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I, th I think they're looking at this as some kind of future mm -hmm. endeavor for fame. And um, if you're doing this to get famous, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. You got to do it because you enjoy it, you know. Um, there's stuff that you can fall into, like um, 
this led to me going to uh, my first convention. Um, I ended up forming a bond and a friendship with Lisa Langlois from class of 1984. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. She invited me to uh, Toronto to assist her at her table. I was scared to death because I'd never traveled before. I'd never been in a plane. Mm -hmm. Now it's like second nature to me. Yeah. But um, and I asked Lisa about that because I always connect with Lisa when I go to Toronto, you know, um, we had dinner one night while I was there and I asked her, I said, why did you take a chance on me? And she said she just saw something in me. And I appreciated hearing that because growing up, nobody saw anything in me <laughs> or very few people, you know. Right. And um, she had a lot of faith in me. And and. Um, Actually, she says when I do these conventions, she said, technically, I'm on business right? because I'm increasing my brand. And I love the love the fact that she says that, even though I don't feel that. Mm -hmm. And but um, so I got lucky there. And, you know, Nancy McLaughlin's become a very, very good friend as well. Yeah. She's lovely. I get a few that I can call and talk to like that. And those are two that I do that with now in terms of um, in terms of people that that um, nobody knows um, I don't do this I mean it's nice to have views mm -hmm. it's nice to look on my YouTube and see something's getting some views it's mm -hmm. nice to have views it's nice to have likes it's nice to have um, Positive it's comments. It's nice to have all that good stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but you can't make it about that. Mm -hmm. And um, like when I, uh, I'll give you a good example. I got back from work one morning and there was a message on, well, it was actually on Facebook. Uh, I got a message from David Black. Mm -hmm. He says, Do you interview Aussie filmmakers? I had no idea who David Black was, mm -hmm. but my response to him wasn't, I don't know who you are. My response to him was, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I looked him up on, on IMDb. I didn't recognize anything he had done. He had some strange movie titles that he was yeah. involved with, but I did the interview and it was funny because he, him being in Australia, it was evening his time. It was morning my time. And, and uh, he said to me, he says, I don't think we're going to get any more than maybe half hour, maybe an hour tops. Mm -hmm. We ended up with a two and a half hour interview. Nice. And I'm not here to pat myself in the back, but I tribute my tribute that to me mm -hmm. being able to talk to somebody whom nobody knows, mm -hmm. whom I don't know, and able to stretch it. We talked about yeah. wildlife in Australia. I went through his filmography and I asked him questions. He answered. I listened, you know, and mm -hmm. we we're able to make an interview out of that. Yeah. And um, and uh, the same goes with uh, other people. Charles Rosney, for example. Um, his uh, publicist reached out to me yeah, and asked if I would interview the, uh, I actually got Charles's book right here. 
Awesome. I definitely want to pick up a copy of it one of these days, too. Yeah, here's Charles's book. And he's doing a second one as well that uh, I helped to connect him with a few people. I got one more person I'm set to connect him with. But, um, but um, he sold 81 of these at one of the cons he was at. So he'd, he's done quite well with this. And that's uh, actually, a, that's, and a lot of people are thinking only 81. 81 copies of a book at a convention is a lot of copies of a book. It might not yep. sound like a lot, but that's a lot of books to sell. Yep. Well, he reached, um, his publicist reached out to me and I said, sure. I didn't know who Charles was. Yeah. He has a nice connection to the monkeys, which I found quite interesting. But here's the thing. You have no idea where that can lead because mm -hmm. um, his publicist had sent me a bunch of names that I had interviewed. And they asked if I could reach out to them for the second edition for the book. Yeah. I said, yes. One of those names was Eileen Dietz from The Exorcist was Pazuzu. And I messaged her about this for her to provide a list for the second book. And uh, anyway, um, Charles sends me a picture that evening of him and Eileen, him and Eileen at, at a con. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I said, I just nice. sent her a message. And he said, yeah, I just met her. Anyway. Um, I called him and uh, he said to me in this, he was at actually at the con at the time. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't talk long, but he said to me, he says, uh, Oh yeah. He says that um, Eileen came over and uh, I said to her, we have a mutual uh, friend in common, a podcaster in Canada. And this, I love she, apparently she said my name. Mm -hmm. which was pretty cool yeah and um he said yes and she goes he just messaged me about something about a list for a book and and charles said yep that would be me <laughs> she did uh, a list for him right there apparently and uh, my name kind of surfaced around that con because i mean bobby heckman was there with jill whitlow mm -hmm. and he went over and met him and got a book himself so um, you never know what um, interviewing one of these uh, yeah. uh, lesser known names will do. You yeah. show them kindness and they can certainly open up doors for you. Yeah. Mike Guttridge led to uh, Tracy Savage. Mm -hmm. I'm having Tracy Savage on again this fall. You know, yeah. um, Tracy's the reason I got involved with uh, 13 Fanboy. Yeah. But here's the thing with Mike Guttridge. I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. The Bone Garden, I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. um, one night, uh, I was on one of my Friday the 13th binges, and I just was, I don't even know what the circumstances was, but I, I typed in Tracy Savage's name, and um, something to do with the Bone Garden came up. Mm -hmm. And there was pictures and there was it said tracy savage paul kratka ron milky and i'm sitting here thinking is this fan fiction <laughs> like i didn't know and i was seeing some pictures and i was like is this a real movie 
anyway, eventually I reached out to Mike and mm-hmm. I didn't reach out to Mike so much to get Tracy Savage on my show as I was curious as to what this was all about. Yeah. I've had Mike on here three times, you know? Yeah. And um, Mike extended me to Tracy Savage. Mm-hmm. So you show kindness to people yeah. that a lot of mainstream media will consider, um, well, we won't get enough views with this person or enough likes. Well, I'm not about that. You know, right. it's nice to get them. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to get Absolutely. them. But uh, you got to be willing to give people mm-hmm. an opportunity, you know? Yeah. A couple yeah. of my interviews, like the bigger names, they have a couple thousand likes. And some of the some of the smaller names only have, you know, a couple like a dozen or so. But so the ones that have a dozen, the smaller names, they tend to be my good interviews. Like these tend to really be fascinating interviews. I interviewed Brian Lyons Burke yesterday from the indie film Smack. And I was talking to you about that on the phone last night. Did he and, give you uh, a smack? he was a great interview and i enjoyed the interview it flowed amazingly and it was just so great we talked about his theater background we talked about the movie about how the movie um like gives an understanding of the epidemic of of the opioid crisis across the country and like just things like that and it was a really good interview and the producer and writer and star of the movie Cody Falk reached out to me um after I guess after he watched it and he goes hey hey buddy and I'm like hey what's up bud and he goes your interview with Brian was amazing you should be proud of yourself with that interview and just an um just a message like that changes your whole perspective of and it's like this is why I do what I do it is fun. Yeah, and that's another thing too, you know. Um and I don't I don't want to mention names. I I I'm not competing with other podcasters. Right. You and I yeah. are pretty much friends. I don't know how yeah. many interviews you've done this year. Mm-hmm. Um but as of tomorrow, I'll have 133 for this mm-hmm. year. I broke my 2017 record. Yes. But you've interviewed people that I would love to interview. Yeah. But here's the thing. Because you've interviewed them and I haven't, yeah. doesn't affect my communication with you. Exactly. I, um, I know of somebody out there. And again, I'm not going to mention any names. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether he feels threatened by me. Um, he should not. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a threat to anybody. Yeah. But it's um, – I know he wants to become famous out of this, which <sighs> something I don't agree with, but that's his prerogative. Mm-hmm. But – this this is something I have an issue with. You know, I interviewed Charles Rosney, for example, and I put pictures up. Uh, I post pictures up to say that I did the interview. Right. And this guy goes on there and he says, again, I got nothing against this guy. He does a great podcast. He mm-hmm. 
He's got a lot to be proud of. Yeah. But he really pissed me off with a comment he made when I posted the fact that I'd interviewed Charles Rosny. He said that I got this interview because of him, FYI. And I'm like, no, I got this interview because the publicist reached out to me. And he says, yeah, because I declined him. And I'm like, number one, why you would mention that in a public forum, that you declined somebody. And I had called, I called Charles Rosny because I knew he was going to see that comment because I tagged him in the initial post. And right. he had said this podcaster was rude to him. Mm. And... And this guy, again, he wants to interview people on his bucket list. Fine. I like to do that too. But I've gotten increasingly less likely to do that because, um, number one, um, Charles was a wonderful interview. I threw him, I sent him your way because I knew you would treat him with dignity. I'm sad that. Uh, yeah well he's i've talked to him since and he said so yeah yep. it's sad that this guy didn't see this as a valuable interview right and then um i had interviewed uh well i remember one time uh was sometime this year david black had commented on a post i did mm-hmm. And I've never done this to this guy. This guy's done this to me two or three times. If somebody comments on my podcast and says that, you know, you're doing a great job, you've got a lot of great guests, this guy will come on here and he'll say, you should check out the guests I have on my show. And I'm like, can you just, it's, it's kind of like, um, WrestleMania four Hulk Hogan just could not allow Randy Savage to have his moment. You know, mm-hmm. he had to be out there to try to suck away some of the, yeah. uh, the glory. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and he says to, uh, and I, I responded to the comment. I said, why? I mean, why don't you have David black on your show? He was a great interview. And he says he doesn't interview Pete. He doesn't interview strangers. Mm-hmm. And I and I said, why would you ask David Black to check out your YouTube channel then? Yeah. You know, it's like you're you're inviting people to a party. Mm-hmm. Come and come to my party. Because yeah. you know you're the center of attention at your party. Mm-hmm. But yet there's people you you're saying, eh, you, you, you could stay, you stay outside and look in the window. Right. Like that scene in National Lampoon's Animal House, you know, yeah. where they go to the, uh, the Omega house, uh, Flounder and Pinto, they show up there and, and, um, they get brushed off to this corner of the room, sitting down with these outcasts because you know, they're not going to get in the Omega fraternity. That's why the Deltas uh, accepted him. Well, I'm like one of the Deltas. I'm like, come on, come on in. It's not the most uh, professional. It's not the, I'm not even going to say the best podcast because I'm not going to claim that. 
but you'll be at least be welcome. You'll be able to right. share your stuff. Yeah. And that bothered me. And then something else came up again this just recently, you know, mm-hmm. where I had interviewed D. Wallace and I'd interviewed Debbie Sue Voorhees recently. Now, let me backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Again, it's great that you and I can have communication. There's mm-hmm. not a competition between us. Right. I don't want competition with anybody. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm not saying who this guy is, is because I'm not out to cost him his subscribers. Right. You know, I want him to succeed, but I would like for him to learn. Mm-hmm. And one of those ways to learn is to improve your craft. Yeah. Is, is look for the fact that I can get a two and a half hour interview mm-hmm. out of David Black without knowing anything about him says a lot about me as an interviewer, you yes, know? It does. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but nonetheless, um, he did a, po- a post, and I forget what it was spurned off of, but I caught a post he did on my feed. And he didn't mention me by name, but I know I was the one he was talking about where he referred to me as a competitor. Mm-hmm. That pissed me off. Yeah. I'm not competing with anybody. All right. You and I certainly aren't competing. Yeah. You're not competing with anybody. Exactly. But this guy called me a competitor like I'm actively trying to one-up him mm-hmm. when I think it's vice versa. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, because I know he had said to me before, he doesn't can't still can't figure out how I got Tony Basil on the show. Right. I think down deep he knows how I got Tony Basil, <laughs> and he knows why he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's I'm, it's not that I'm magic. Yeah, he knows how I got her, but nonetheless, when he called me a competitor. Again, he didn't mention me by name. Mm-hmm. That pissed me off. Because mm-hmm. you know you're going to get people on that feed that are going to yeah. be calling yep. me any other other name without even knowing who I am or oh, what true. my story yep. is. Yep. So I went on the Debbie Sue Voorhees share Facebook page group and I said, anybody from 13 Fanboy behind the scenes that wants to do an interview who wants to tell their story mm-hmm. reach out to me yep. and i immediately jason bradford throws some tag some names to me i got eight interviews out of that mm-hmm. eight interviews out of yep. that yeah these are people this guy's not going to reach out to yeah so much for me being a competitor mm-hmm and uh, I know people will think, oh, you're not going to get a lot of views on them. You'll be surprised because my Carrie Yates interview has actually got quite a number of views. Right. A lot of it's about um, when the guests share the interview out. Mm-hmm. But um, nonetheless, I got about another eight interviews out of that. Nice. And um, I had a lot of fun doing those interviews. Yeah. So... 
to stretch this a little further, I put a post on where I had uh, I had interviewed Dee Wallace for the second time. Mm-hmm. I was happy to have her on again this year. I'd met her at Horrorama 2018. And um, I had Debbie Suvorhees on for her fifth time. And I posted something about that. And this guy puts on, I had, I had um, D, uh, Debbie Sue, and, and in all caps, Judy Aronson <laughs> in promotion for 13 Fanboy. He put and in all caps because he wanted me to notice that he had gotten Judy Aronson where yeah. I'd struggled to get her. Yeah. And as of right now, I don't want to so much as look at her, let alone talk to her. Right. Um, be, because of other circumstances. But um, mm-hmm. so I, I knew what he was doing. Right. I didn't agree with it. I've never gone on his page and say, hey, check out my YouTube channel. Check mm-hmm. out, look at me, look at me, because it's um, not a, up to me to um, invade somebody's right. own achievements. Yeah. And he's had a number of achievements. Yeah. But here's the thing. When he said that, I had the perfect answer. Mm-hmm. I said... I've interviewed and I listed all eight of those people that I'd interviewed from behind the scenes. And then I put, and in all caps, Jason Bradford, who of course is a major part of 13 fanboy. Had him on. And a talent. Yeah. And a very talented guy. Yeah. Um, And he says to me, he says, I don't know who any of these people are. He puts a laugh out loud emoji. Hmm. Now, when you look at something like that, Scotty, yeah, what do you think? Me personally, I think I don't know who they are. Ha 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 ha. Thank you for you can have them. I don't want them type of thing. Well, you know what? When I re- my response to that was they're beneath you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Harsh, but to the point, very blunt. And he says, nobody's beneath anybody. Well, because he knows he got backed into a corner. Yeah. And my response to that was, oh, you're right. That's why I interviewed them. Right. Again, I wish this guy the best. Yeah. But he's pissed me off a number of times with stuff like that. Because I think he knows I'm doing something right. Yeah. Uh, dare I use the word feel threatened by? He has no reason to. You're mm-hmm. not threatened by me. I'm not threatened by you. No, I have only one interview I'm envious with you, and it still never changed my communication, and that's Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany. I love Tiffany. I love her song, I Think We're Alone Now. I love that song. I, I could jam to it all the time. I and I'm a big Tiffany fan. Um, that's the only one I'm envious about with you. And I still doesn't change my communication or friendship with you. I was happy. I had Tiffany all over my bedroom wall as a teenager. You know, I had yeah. a big crush on that woman growing up. And uh, 
I w- was quite surprised I got her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it was her web page I reached out to her on, and her mm-hmm. manager got back to me. And and um, I'll have you to know, do that went- then. I, I reached out to her, uh, one of her agents on IMDb, but as we know, IMDb doesn't always have the most recent or updated contacts because i've reached out to a couple of celebrities through their imdb page to their like contact their agent publicist or whatever and uh they said that they're no longer associated with us so it's not always updated so they may, i've never gotten a response back so they just might not represent her anymore so i might do that through her web page yeah well next year uh, her debut album celebrates uh its 35th anniversary okay. Well, I don't know where the time went because I remember when the album came out and um, mm-hmm. I I was quite surprised. It's interesting at that because back in 1987, when that album came out, I would never have gotten an interview with her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm able to do that. Um, I haven't been in touch with her since, right? but I still follow what she's doing and, uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was. There's times where it's just a stroke of luck. Mm-hmm. But what I would say, number one, I would say for this uh, this podcaster, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if you if you really want people to celebrate you, open the doors to your party for other people. You yeah. know, there was a, a verse in the Bible. I don't want to get preachy, but uh, I read from my Bible, and there's occasionally I remember stuff, and I don't remember where this was in the Bible, but it talked about this. Uh, I don't know whether it was a king or whatnot, or whether it was a parable that Jesus told. I don't remember, but it was a, it was um, an account where this king had invited people from f- family and friends to join him for this big feast, you know? He was gonna have this big, big feast. And he invited people, sent word out, and everybody was making an excuse not to come. Mm -hmm. Finally, you know what? He got fed up and he said, nobody's gonna enjoy this food that I prepared. He said to his uh, servants, he said, Quote, and he said, find the people on the streets, find the needy, find the homeless, bring them in here. They will enjoy this food with me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the approach I take when it comes to uh, mm-hmm. doing interviews. I don't look at somebody and say, I don't know you. I don't want you on my show. Right. It's uh, number one, if somebody approaches me, for an interview i'm like holy shit they're asking me for an interview mm-hmm. they're asking me i had this situation recently where mike michael levy reached out to me and i was i'm getting a little tired of people reaching out to me to support their films because i can't really afford it mm-hmm. like i could with 13 fanboy and i come to discover michael levy was Will the Exterminator in the Terrifier movie. And he was producer on the second one. And I bought a Blu-ray, you know, I, can't, I couldn't spend a lot. But I was like, shouldn't I be reaching out to him? 
<laughs> he's reaching out to me and he has some big names, uh, genre names mm -hmm. in uh, his movie Stream. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. See, your name gets out there. Mm -hmm. And when people find out you're kind to people, yeah. it helps. Like I said, Charles Rosny, I did that interview with him. My name went around that convention. Mm -hmm. And with Bobby Heckman being there, my name went around that convention. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah, so it, it does. It does. It really helps, you know, to be like, to, you know, be open to them people. And I am not sure who's going to be watching this episode. Who's going to watch it from start to finish? Who's going to watch the first half? I don't know. But what I can say is if Carrie Yates is watching this, I will be reaching out to you for an interview. I've been, you do, you are on my list. I haven't reached out yet, but you have been on my list. Greg has mentioned you for me to reach out to you. And I promise you, I will do that. And I'm planning on doing it this weekend. If I can, Car I can't promise you an interview in December, but I can promise you one in the near future within January, February-ish, if not December. Carrie Yates is like a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. She's right there. She doesn't get, she's an example, somebody that doesn't get noticed. Right. But she's like, anytime there's a stream or something, like I used to see her name pop up when mm -hmm. Adam Marcus and Ali Rivera would do their um, right. Hearts of Darkness uh, Facebook streams, mm -hmm. and she would pop up. And um, and even like if I listen to other podcasts, like Death Curse Society, for example, or um, you name it, right. Carrie Yates would pop up, you know? Yeah. And I always got delighted because she's like, mm -hmm. she's like, she's there. She's a cheer. Right. And this is a woman that's got um, children. She's got a right. husband. She's not a it's not like she's not busy but when she's got a moment she chimes in there you know right. and um carrie yates um what she did for me and i won't forget this when the pandemic hit in 2020 mm -hmm. i had done about 30 interviews mm -hmm. and then the station went into lockdown i panicked because I had about 30 people waiting to come on my show and I had no way to do my show. Mm -hmm. And one of those people that I was wanting to book was Nancy Allen. And I was like, I, well, I really wanted to have Nancy Allen on because I love Dress to Kill. Mm -hmm. Luckily, this year, this past August, I had Nancy Allen on the show. So there's an example of a bucket list interview I got, yep. you know? Yeah. But I don't make it all about that. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. But it yeah. is nice when it happens. Right. And you had on, don't forget, Mark Cantu. Me and Noelle Berger threw Mark Cantu out to you. Um, not a lot of people might know of the film he directed called Massacre Academy, but it just won another award. And literally the movie poster he's putting all the awards he won on now, um, it's literally like filling up. He's won a lot of awards so far for this movie like in in festivals so definitely check out massacre academy but mark and a great friend of mine as well i had him on and then when i reached out to other cast members from that film i'm like i don't I, i'm like hey my name is scott you know introducing myself i don't know if you heard of me They're like oh i heard of you i watched a quite a few of your interviews i love watching your interviews it's like the it's the the old-fashioned like they say social media is the free publicity now but it's the old-fashioned word of mouth that really gets you well, 
I had Mark can do on, I'm not involved with Massacre Academy, but I reached out. I remember it's funny because um, I had him on. He was a great guy to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, what it had, he mentioned a scene from the movie that involved uh, a musician, Race of Grimace. Mm-hmm. And I laughed when he described it. <laughs> so much so that I said, can you connect me with Race of Grimace? I didn't know Race of Grimace mm-hmm. from Adam. Yeah. But I had to interview the guy based on a scene that Mark Kendu described. Mm-hmm. And I had Race of Grimace on and we talked about it, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. again, it was just something I, 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 had to, I had to interview this guy. And it was a very short interview, but it was delightful. Yeah. And, but nonetheless, um, going back to Carrie Yates, what had happened with her... I went the rest of 2020, no interviews. I still working. I work as a cleaner, uh, not a glamorous job, but it pays the bills. Yeah. But um, so I worked through the pandemic, but nonetheless, um, I was miserable because I wasn't able to do my show. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy McLaughlin had said to me, if she could do Zoom, I could do Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'm going to get my brother to hook me up with it because he's kind of my tech guy mm-hmm. and my manager both. And uh, my first interview I had lined up was with a guy I'd interview three times prior, a musician out of California named TJ Doyle. Okay. TJ's a great guy. And not only a great guy, I knew if Zooms didn't work out for me, right. I knew he would understand and we babe to rebook. I didn't want to mm-hmm. test on somebody that I was brand new with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was ready for TJ. Yep. I know magician Ryan Brown, mm-hmm. who I met through Horrorama. He come on, was helping me get set up with Zoom, and it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's no no fault on Ryan. Mm-hmm. It just it wasn't communicating well with me on that. It mm-hmm. wasn't sinking in for me. Then Carrie Yates come on here because she read a post I put about doing my first Zoom interview with TJ Doyle mm-hmm. and she come on, she's in the UK and she says, you want me to help you break in zoom? I thought how cool of it for her to offer. Plus she's involved with 13 fanboys. So I was like, okay. So it was a struggle. It wasn't easy, but we got the, they, she got me connected. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, you want to be my first interview? After all, you're, you're involved with 13 Fanboy. You want to be my first Zoom interview? And of course, that was January 4th this year. And she said, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I had, of course, my lighting was bad, but nonetheless, it didn't matter. You could hear us. Right. I had Carrie Yates on. I had TJ Doyle on. I had Ryan Brown on. 
I tried to improve my lighting because when I had Sean Clark on, Sean Clark said it could be a little more festive. <laughs> I'm in between places here. I, I didn't expect to be here this long. Mm -hmm. But I'm here. And uh, because with the pandemic and the condition of our my folks, mm -hmm. my brother hasn't really been able to do anything with the housing thing because that's a plan where I'll go and do, move into a place where he and his wife are upstairs and me and skittles who's over there dreaming about not paying rent and working <laughs> um i live we live downstairs we get the solar panels and all that stuff nice. to nice. um to help us out um nice. but that hasn't happened yet and so i'm still here but i remember sean clark mentioned about lighting so I'm working on that slowly. At least you can see me. Not exactly festive behind me, but uh, who cares, you know? Yeah. Who cares, you know? Um, it's a lot better so, when you, than when you interviewed me this past uh, January, last January of 2021, because your lighting was still, you know, very dim. But it, 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 what you all have now is a lot better, too. A lot better than... Well, I got a light up here that I just shine on me. It's a lamp, really. Yeah. So, you know, you can see me and yeah. So, yeah, I have because it's getting dark here. I have my ring light right there. Shining on ah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to get one of those eventually. I haven't done that yet. My yeah. brother said, wait till we get the new place. Mm -hmm. And if he tells me that, then there's a reason for it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, of course. Yep. So yeah. this works for me, you know, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so what did you think of the film 13 Fanboy? And I know you have a group interview coming up, so want to tell us a little bit about that. 13 Fanboy. Well, first off, Debbie Sue owes a big debt of thanks to Tracy Savage because that's the reason I got involved. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going to tell you, I've never watched a movie, never streamed a movie before, mm -hmm. and I did not want to do it with 13 Fanboy. I resent the fact that we got no screenings of 13 Fanboy here in Canada, mm -hmm. and I told Debbie Sue I was going to be in Toronto for Frightmare in the Falls. Actually, that's in Niagara Falls, but nonetheless, I went to Toronto to do my vacation visit. <laughs> but um, and I said, you know, I figured we'd have a better chance of me seeing it in Toronto than here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't look like, uh, through her response, we were going to get it in Canada. Mm -hmm. I know it's played on screens in the U.S. and it's played in the U.K. I don't like the idea. Number one, to me, like, I'll give you an example. I've seen Jason Lives many, many times. Mm -hmm. But in 2019, I attended a midnight screening of it in Toronto. I saw the movie. Not saw the movie. I experienced it. I mm -hmm. saw with an audience. I yeah. got to experience the movie. Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. 
I love going to the theater and sitting with an audience and experience, especially when it's a movie that's been out for a while. And Toronto has a lot of those experiences. I attended a double screening of White and Black Christmas there in 2019. And, and White Christmas had its attendance, but um, Black Christmas was packed. I'm talking about the 1974 Black Christmas, not the shit that came after it. <laughs> but um the original and it was like wow it's uh uh it was packed and uh that was one i called lisa langwa to see if she wanted to join me and she did because she knew some of the people of course that being a canadian film she knew some of the people in it so she joined me for that nice. but nonetheless i didn't get to have that with 13 fanboy mm -hmm. and i resent that and my plan was not to watch it. Right. I was not planning to watch it. Here's what changed my mind about it. When I'm at work doing a cleaning job, I work the back shift. So I like to stick my earphones in and listen to podcasts, not yeah. music. I like to listen to podcasts while I'm working. Yeah. I listened to Dave McRae out of Toronto a lot. I listened to Death Curse Society, uh, the Slaughtered Lamb podcast, you know. Mm -hmm. Occasionally I'll listen to my own or I'll listen to uh I'll listen to your uh podcast. Uh, I've listened to uh Tommy Kovacs on occasion as well. I've listened to um who else? There's a number of them, you know, or I'll just spend the whole evening listening to Howard Stern prank calls. Right. <laughs> but I like listening to stuff like that. And um, because it gets me through the night, it allows my evening to be pleasant because, you know, I'm cleaning. It's not glamorous. Right. So it's nice to have something going through my ears. I can listen yeah. to it. It's pleasant, you know, or I'll yeah. listen to Jim Cornette rant about vince russo for an hour that's always fun you know oh, i can believe that one yeah um but but here's the thing here's the thing um 13 um when halloween kills came out and this is where i have a problem with people in views likes and and uh hits on youtube Halloween Kills, of course, came out. Um, I forget when it came out. It was in October. I think October 15th or something like that. Something like that, yeah. The following night, or actually I should say the following day, spoiler reviews already. Mm -hmm. It's like these assholes just couldn't wait. Mm -hmm. You know, and they do it all for likes, yeah. all for hits, all for views. Mm -hmm. They have, and, and, and I know I've heard one or two of them say this. Well, if you don't want spoilers, don't listen. Well, I kind of want to listen to something while I'm working. I like listening to the pop culture channels. Right. But I find it very disrespectful and they get on, like, give it a friggin' week at least. Yeah. Give it a week. Yeah. But no, no, we got to get hits and likes and views right away because mm -hmm. it's all it, it, it's all about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, 
they went on there and I, I knew what was going on. I knew, I knew everything going on with Halloween kills before I saw it. Anyway, I still went and saw Halloween kills, but when it comes to 13 fanboy, I was not going to see it because I resented the idea of watching on stream. Now my television set up for me to watch Blu-ray. So right. I can't even stream it on my big screen television. I'd do it on my laptop. Mm-hmm. The reason I streamed it and it was on YouTube. It's funny. Debbie Sue Voorhees did not know it was on the YouTube platform, but <laughs> with six ninety nine, and the reason I did it mm-hmm. was because I'm a co-producer on Thirteen Fanboy, and as a co-producer, I, as much as I hated the idea of streaming it, I, I prefer to stream it and go into it fresh as opposed to uh, listen to a bunch of assholes. The following day, get on there and spoil it. Mm-hmm. And they did. <laughs> they did. And they mostly did it in the group, too. Did they? Oh, that I, yeah. I, I, I don't know how per- much the moderators remove it because I know Debbie Suvor, he's went on telling the cast of the film and the crew of the film not to uh, talk much about it for in interviews for at least a month about the big details but you have the group members that aren't a part of it that aren't the cast and crew that'll go on there and say oh my god i can't believe blank was the killer you know well here here's the thing um i was going to go on and talk about my thoughts on the film and i just haven't gotten around to doing it and really to be frank i don't care enough Mm -hmm. You know, if I get stuff in the mail, I'll do a video, but I did a, an appreciation video when mm-hmm. the trailer dropped, but right. I don't, I'm not that desperate for hits and likes and views, then go go on there and spoil it. Right. You know, yeah. so my thoughts on the film, well, like I said, I did not like the fact I had to see it streaming, but as it is, um, um, I gotta say I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There's a ki- an opening scene kill that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. and it wasn't with the uh, the star; it was this person before the star. Mm-hmm. I really i I thought that was well done. I'm trying to get that person on the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Christopher Norris, love Christopher <laughs> Norris. I've had him on here a couple times, mm-hmm. and we connected because of Thirteen Fanboy. And I think he's an executive producer on the film, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, it's funny because Debbie Sue did not know this. I did. He doubled for Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. When I found that out, I just see Christopher Norris as a badass, you know. I think he's a cool guy. He doesn't see himself as a cool guy, but I do. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the most talked about part of 13 Fanboy. Because yeah. any spoiler reviews I've heard, they all talk about his kill in the movie. Yeah. And he does have a great kill in the movie. I think it's the best kill in the movie. 
and it it was great. It was great seeing him in this. And by the way, doing those interviews with those eight behind the scenes people mm-hmm. made watching the stream more fun mm-hmm. because a lot of them cameoed in the movie. Yeah. And I knew who they were, and it made mm-hmm. made the watching it more fun. Yeah. You know? That's how but, it was for me. Like, when I seen your picture in the movie, and when I seen your name come up in the opening credits, I'm like, Greg Gilbert! And when I seen Noelle Berger, I'm like, Noelle Berger! And DJ Patton! And Christopher Norris! And, you know, Jason Bradford! Like, you just seeing all these names, people in the indie community that you became friends with over the course. Like, Christopher Norris, I... I had plans on having him on my show for a while. We were in talks for a while, but I did not want to interview him until after the movie came out specifically because of his death. <laughs> and I wanted to actually talk about it. I'll have him back on next year and we'll talk about, talk about that. Yeah. But anyway, um, I loved it. Well, they had my name and the opening credits listed with, they had the co-producers split up. Mm-hmm. But they have mine and two other people mm-hmm. on the screen at one time, and the music shifted tone at that moment. And I was like, "Oh man, this is a nice introduction." Mm-hmm. And my name is at the end of the movie as well. Now, yeah. my picture being in the the film—that um, was c- cool to see. Yeah, and Riley C. Morris had told me that my picture was going to be covered in mix. He says, said to me, he says, "I recognize you. Your picture's definitely in the movie. A bit bloody, but it's there." When I found that out, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "Wow, my picture's not just there." It's really there, you know. It's, it's, it's like, like your money what, that that you donated to get this movie made for that perk really was considered, and it it really was worth the money that you had put into it because it wasn't just like a picture on the refrigerator or whatever. It was literally there, bloody close up on it. Yep. Yep. So I really liked that. Um, yeah, it was cool to see my uh, profile picture. That picture, too, uh, profile picture, um, that was a picture that Lisa Langwa took of me in Toronto when I first nice. went. Nice. Yeah, she thought my profile picture needed an upgrade, so uh, she took <laughs> that picture of me. So um, that was the one that Debbie It's a good one. Chose. It's like a professional headshot. Yeah. Well, Lisa, Lisa knows what she's doing, you know? Yeah. Um, but nonetheless... Um, yeah, that was cool mm-hmm. um, to see my um, picture covered in blood on that that scene. <laughs> um, let me see. In terms of the bigger names, it was cool to see them too. Mm-hmm. Um, love Tracy Savage, of course. Um, Laura Park Lincoln, mm-hmm. you know. I met C.J. Graham at Frightmare in the Falls, mm-hmm. and uh, I had told him. Now, this is something, too. I've heard other podcasters, and again, they're allowed to have their p- opinion, mm-hmm. but they thought one of the worst lines in the film was C.J. Graham saying to 
the fanboy. So you want a shot at the title. I loved it. I loved it too. And I'll tell you why I loved it. And I told CJ this. They could have easily, and any other indie filmmaker probably would have had Kane Hodder have this big knockout drag down fight with the fanboy. Mm-hmm. And Kane Hodder had a great uh, section of the film. He and Jennifer Bonko. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that CJ Graham had a big knockdown drag out fight mm-hmm. with a fanboy, you know? Um, and I told CJ that. And CJ had not seen the film when I had met him either. Um, but nonetheless, um, um, I enjoyed stuff like that in the film. The music was great. Mm -hmm. Although I, I wish blood opera had gotten their song in the film, you know, because I wrote a song called fanboy for the movie Mm -hmm. and it didn't get chosen. Um, yeah. Although Sean Clark loves the song. <laughs> Sean Clark loved the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, nonetheless, the music was great for in the film. They had a, uh, a song by First Jason in there that Christopher Norris was listening to when he wasn't paying attention to. <laughs> things got lost in the, <laughs> lost the First Jason victim song. You get a song by Sloth, a Tom McLaughlin's band in there as well. Yeah. And um, I really was impressed with Haley Greenbauer and how she held her own on screen with Dee Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. She was wonderful. One of the performances that surprised me the most was Ron Sloan. Yeah. I'm so used to seeing him as Junior, Junior <laughs> Hubbard. To see him do a complete 180, mm-hmm. and I'm like, De- Debbie Sue obviously saw something, because I would have never have thought to cast him yeah. in this role. Yeah. But one of the things I love with actors is when you get to see them play against type. Right. I am listening. I have to get something up to show everybody. Uh, this is from, let me get it up. Uh, this is from last year. Uh, my birthday is on Monday, December 6th, and mm-hmm. this is from December 6, 2020. Happy birthday, Scotty! Ron Sloan wishing me happy birthday in the voice of Junior. <laughs> As a surprise for me, and I loved it! <laughs> I love Ron Sloan. He's a very considerate guy. Um, yes. I don't want to get off track, but... Uh, I've been championing the Doubtfire Face Challenge for Suicide and Depression Awareness. You know, and I know you did the challenge a couple of times and you threw it out to people in the industry. Mm -hmm. There were people on the set of 13 Fanboy that did this. You know, Jason Bradford did it a couple of times. Dave Miller did it. Um, Noelle Berger did it. Um, Troy Elke did it. Um, But the only notable star as of right now that has done it is ron sloan and i thought it was so courteous that he did it mm-hmm. as some as a co-producer on 13 fanboy i'm like that's a lot of money put yeah. into this i saddened 
but more of the bigger names from that movie did not do this. Yeah. Because it's like you said, it costs less than five dollars yeah. for a paper plate and whipped cream to take a pie. In me, the each time it cost me about two bucks and some change for the pie. The pie crust itself is about maybe a buck fifty, two bucks. And then the whipped cream I get is usually on sale at our local supermarket. And I usually get that when it's like a buck. There you go. I feel I feel like it makes me feel like my contribution didn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's what it makes it feel like. Yeah. You know, because money doesn't come easy for me. And it's like people don't want to. I mean, I've done it twice, but people yeah. don't want to see me. The, the ones that get the hit are sort of the ones that are done by mainstream people. Right. And that was what I'm trying to do. And I feel that went over so many people's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I have a lot of resentment to Judy Aronson right now, mm-hmm. who after Ron Sloan did it, she had posted a cameo where she stated she didn't know she was nominated, and she's promised, according to that cameo, I'm sure you've seen it, mm-hmm. where she said she would do it when the but she couldn't do it then because of the pandemic. Okay, grant it. Yeah. Then I get this message from her this year with some bullshit where she says, this doesn't feel right for me. I'm going, I'm going to turn this down or blah, blah, blah. Please withdraw your request. I took that as a slap in the face. This is a woman that probably got paid well for her time on 13 Fanboy mm-hmm. with um, – among other people, money I contributed, and she didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I, well, now there's ways I can answer that, which is um, I don't have to support her at a con. And now I just at Frightmare at the Falls, I went to everybody there, all the guests. Mm-hmm. When somebody crosses me, do you think I'm going to support them? Mm-mm. Yep. And uh, Judy Aronson has left me a lot of mixed signals. Mm-hmm. Um, she's retracted uh, some comments about her situation on uh, the final chapter, which I'm sorry, goes contrary to things that Ted White says, and it goes contrary to stuff that was said on Crystal Lake Memories. Mm-hmm. So. I feel sad because um, a lot there's she's got a fan base and it's like, especially with online bullying, depression is not not taken seriously, mm-hmm. and she just didn't give a shit. And she she could say what she wants to. There was nothing in it for her. That's yeah. how I see it. Yeah, and I took it as a slap in the face. And like I said. I don't have to support her at a con. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know what is going on with her because um, I'm going to get into this in detail. Okay. If you listen to my 2016 interview with Ted White, mm-hmm. he wants to hook me up with Judy Aronson and Kane Hodder. Mm-hmm. So... 
he wants to give me their numbers. And of course, you hear me say in the interview, let's wait till we're off air. Because, you know, of course, he got lost in the moment and was forgetting that I was recording and stuff. <laughs> but after we're off air, he gave me Judy's number and Kane Hodder's number. Mm-hmm. I did not call them at first. Of course, Ted said, give them a call. She'd be glad to do it. You know, and I don't think Ted was lying at all. I think Ted was 100% right. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't think Judy Aronson's, uh, well, I I don't want to say anything. They say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. (laughs) But nonetheless, I didn't call them for a long time because I didn't want to creep anybody out. What had happened was... um, I think it was January. Um, it might have been January, uh, either 2019 or 2020. I'm trying to think when. I, yeah, it was 2019. Mm-hmm. We got news that Dick Miller had passed away. Mm-hmm. I had interviewed Dick Miller five months before he passed away. Mm-hmm. I didn't have him on my list to interview. It was just, uh, I just noticed he was doing a lot of the cons and I was like, would he do my show? Mm-hmm. Had I not taken a chance to reach out, I'd have never have gotten that experience. Right. And he was gone five months later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow. And I've got that interview with Dick Miller and his wife, Lainey, who was in The Graduate. So after that, I was like, okay, I'd hate for something to happen to Judy Aronson or Kane Hodder and me have their numbers all this time. I reached out to Kane, left a message on his machine, never heard back. Right. I'll let Kane off the hook. Judy, I'm pissed off at. Mm-hmm. Um, I called Judy. Somebody answered the phone saying I had a wrong number. Okay, fair enough. I contacted Ted White and he verified that this was this was her number. Right. And I said, do you think maybe she might have been maybe uncomfortable or something? He said, she would never do that. Hmm. She'd be happy to do your show. Okay. I let God, maybe I dialed wrong, but I left it for a while. And I had sent Judy Aronson on Facebook the interview with Ted White. Mm -hmm. And I even Mm -hmm. mentioned in comment where... He had mentioned her and given me her number. Mm-hmm. Now, again, he doesn't give her number out on the air. Her, She's protected. So is Kane. But it's clear that he and I had a good connection, mm-hmm. and we still do. Anyway, um, so I let it be. She read the message, never got back to me because Judy – so 
sometime later, I contacted her again. I was actually at work when I contacted, I was on break. Mm -hmm. Somebody answered the phone, same number, claiming to be her cousin. Saying they'll give her the message, blah, blah, she's not here anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that sounded a little strange to me, but nonetheless, okay. Did it sound like uh, you would voice? I don't remember now. Could have been. Could have been. I wouldn't be surprised now that she'd be that conniving. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, um, I know that was the last time I called her. And then I had Debbie Sue on the show, and I mentioned it to her. Mm -hmm. Debbie Sue tells me to lose the numbers. And I'll be quite frank. I was uncomfortable when Debbie Sue said that to me. Because mm -hmm. it made me feel like a stalker. Right. You know how many numbers of people I have, and I've never been accused of stalking? I mean, you stalk me every day, so. <laughs> well, that's different, you know. <laughs> that's different. I, st I, st I stalk Troy Elke, too, but <laughs> that, that's that's different. But, but I mean, um, right. I mean, I text Tracy Savage on her birthday. Tracy's not, and Tracy's somebody I had a crush on. Tracy's not running for the hills. Right. In fact, she's coming on here again. Right. Third time. Why? Yeah, her third time. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not contacting them every day. Number one, I've never called Tracy. Right. You know, I text her on her birthday. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I even texted her on Valentine's Day. And she appreciated that. Right. But here's the thing i'm not i'm not calling or texting all the time right you know i know my boundaries right but when debbie sue told me to lose those numbers again i understand why she said it but at the same token i felt like shit yeah. i did uh, by the way i did lose the numbers i got rid of them because if something ever happened i did not want to have those numbers on me right so, nonetheless, it uh, gave me a raw feeling. Mm -hmm. And judging from uh, Judy's retraction of the Doubtfire Face Challenge, I, um, I feel even less comfortable about her. Yeah. Now, like I said... Ted White, I've got a couple of uh, autographed pictures of him right now. And I even reached out to him this year and I ordered something else off his page. And I got a signed hockey mask. Ted White's gotten support from me. Right. Judy's not going to get that. Why? Because she was basically a little snot. I'm going to let Greg take the floor about the Doubtfire Challenge. We were talking before we started recording, and uh, Greg mentioned about the uh, Doubtfire Face Challenge, um, that he and he wanted to talk about about a little bit more about that quick. So go ahead, Greg. Yeah, like um, I get into that with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Like I said, when everybody was doing the um, Ice Bucket Challenge for ALS, my dad currently has ALS. And he's had it for seven years. So he's had it beyond what the expectations are. But I think I was totally naive to think people gave a shit because uh, people, that was a phenomenon, the ice bucket challenge. And mm -hmm. uh, 
And uh, I never thought about the whole trending thing. I just saw, right. wow, people are coming together for a greater cause, for a greater and good. It was a big, big thing because big celebrities like Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, Donald Trump, people like like these big people that you don't see doing these type of charities before, actually coming together and doing them. Yep. So... The Doubtfire Challenge was not something I started, but something I took and ran with. Number one, I grew up with that kind of humor. Number two, if there's anything that's not taken very seriously today, it's depression. Yeah. And I uh, dealt with it uh, a few times in my life. And suicide, of course, is uh, a big thing. So I thought, wow, I, I, I prefer to watch people take a pie in the face as opposed to dose themselves in ice water so i uh, went with that and tried to promote it further mm -hmm. and I, i've had a few good takers on it um lisa langwa did one nancy mclaughlin did one in front of props from jason lives mm -hmm. um sandy johnson did one and um her husband was dressed up as michael myers <laughs> and Piter. and she nominated one of the people she nominated was um felissa rose and i showed felissa the challenge at mm -hmm. frightmare in the falls and right. felissa said not only is she going to do it but she's going to do it with her nominees and she nominated dave sheridan Alex Vincent and Christina Lee. So she nice. she knew she she knew what to do with this. And um yeah, I've had a few people in wrestling do it. Tori Wilson did it, James Elworth did it, uh Teal Piper did it, you know. Um I wish there was a little more activity out of 13 fanboy. Yeah with regards to this, it kind of makes me feel like my contribution didn't matter. Right. You know, um, and nobody has said that to me. It's just how I feel. I'm grateful Ron Sloan did yeah. it, you know? Because he, believe it or not, like he might not be an A-list celebrity, but he is a big name, especially in Friday the 13th. When you think of Friday the 13th, you ask who is your most memorable character? A lot of people say Junior and Ethel. Yeah, so when Judy Aronson said she would do it, and then the following year tells me to uh, withdraw my request. Right. I'm sorry, but uh, number one, if somebody doesn't want to do it, say no. Right. I've had no hard feelings. There's no <clears throat> because you were honest. You were upfront about it. And she was not. Right. And uh, my my big issue. Um, I've had a few people like when Sandy Johnson did it, mm -hmm. I donated to a charity that of her choice, the um, um, Tunnels for Towers for first responders at 9 11. Right. When Lisa Langwa did it, I donated to the Single Moms Planet, mm -hmm. her charity of choice. Um, and when Nancy McLaughlin did it, I donated to a homeless shelter, shelter mm -hmm. of her choice. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy to do that. It's my way of yeah. showing appreciation. Right, and is and you and I'm gonna 
go out there and say that you even show your appreciation to your not so famous guests, including myself. My dad passed away. He'd been battling brain cancer for five years. And every year for my birthday, even after he's now passed, I do a birthday fundraiser on Facebook for brain cancer awareness for uh, the brain, uh, the glioblastoma foundation. And uh, you always donate to my cause because we became friends and I mm -hmm. on your show and I showed appreciation for doing the Dalfire challenge and not once, but twice. And the first time my dad pied me in the face. Yeah. But here's the thing. Yeah. Judy Aronson couldn't take a moment. And a lot of this is just people too fucking lazy to do it. Mm -hmm. I put in, few thousand dollars on 13 fanboy mm -hmm. this is why i say judy just basically slapped me in the face right and like i said that's not going to go forgotten right yep and for uh, those that aren't aware of what the Dowfire challenge is now for those that do know and mo almost everybody does robin williams who passed away from suicide suffered from depression played mrs Dowfire, and there was a scene where he or shall i say in character she took a, a pie in the face and went hello if everybody remembers that and uh that's where this you know Dowfire face challenge where you take a pie in the face comes into play so i've had a few people that have done it and i've showed my support to them like like michael levy will the exterminator from terrifier did it recently mm -hmm. you know because i had uh, contributed to his film stream mm -hmm. i thought that was cool but um i don't know i i i was hoping more people from 13 yeah. fanboy would have taken it and, and gone with it you know um I have a couple of prospects that I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that I'm hoping will do it. You know, mm -hmm. I threw some of these out on cameo. Yeah. Cause I remember you had suggested for me to go after some wrestlers on cameo yeah. and Tori Wilson came through and I thought that was great. And, uh, yeah. and that's a, that's not just like a regular, like unknown currently, you know, NXT type of female wrestler. This is a hall of fame, you know, wrestler, a female wrestler that has been, is that is mainstream media and wrestling. Mm -hmm. That's big. Yeah. And, uh, Teal Piper did it. Mm -hmm. Teal again, she's gotten support from me on other things. I just got an autographed picture in the mail from her that I ordered. You know, she was doing a thing on Facebook. I ordered one. Of course, I'm going to show support. Right. You see, Judy's going to get none of that support. And I hate to sit here and shit on, uh, shit on her because she was involved in one of my favorite Friday the 13th movies. But yeah. she left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't be feeling this way if she initially, when you first reached out to her and she said, hi, Greg, I'm sorry, I won't be able to do it. Um, it's just I, I don't have the time or whatever the issue may be. And then it's like, well, thank you for reaching out, telling me no upfront. I respect you for that. You gave me an honest answer that you don't want to do it and no ill will, no hard feelings. 
But the fact that she initially said she will do it, and then she re then she, you know, you reached out again, and she's like, I don't want to do it. And it's not that I don't want to do it that really hurt you. It's the fact that she said she even doesn't believe in this, or it's not who she is, or however she worded that. And that really is an, an ignorant way to answer something. And I, I respect her as an actress and being a part of the an alumni of Friday the 13th, but when you say what well, the way she worded it, and I, I saw the message and it really is, it really was a, a kind of a, like it rubs you the wrong way type of message. Well, here's the thing. She answered in a cameo that first time. Mm -hmm. So I spent money on that. And you didn't for that. get what you requested. Yeah, exactly. And then the second time, I mean, at least she had the courtesy to message me as opposed mm -hmm. to answer the cameo, but still, Right. I still spent that money on that first cameo and got nothing out yeah. of it. And it's like, I could use that money for a charity for somebody that would actually do it. Right. I've ran into this problem with two or three people. I had one person, I donated $50 to their animal rescue mm -hmm. charity. I got a cat that's a rescue. Now, $50? That's not have that's not small change to me right and they said they do the doubt fire face challenge they'd take a pie in the face video it that costs less than five dollars right and you spent 50 <laughs> i spent 50 for their cause and then yeah. they back out of it mm -hmm. um i'm sorry but it's like fuck you Right. It's like, uh, I, I'm, th you're like, I'm, I'm really happy to help this charity because of what they did, but I did it. Be I, I wouldn't have probably have donated this money because uh, if you'd said you weren't going to do it, even if I believe in the charity, because that money is something that I, that I really could use elsewhere. Bills. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The fact that I'm actually willing to uh, donate to one of their charities should mm -hmm tell you everything you need to know so yeah. i i wasn't happy with that end of things and um it's almost like i'm being told i'm not famous enough well right. i'm sorry but i'm not going to nominate my friends because uh speaking of hits this is a serious uh cause yeah. people want to see celebrities do this stuff right what here's the thing i find i was naive with the uh, with the ice bucket challenge i saw it as people coming together for a greater good right i never thought of it just being the trend at the time yeah and where this one here is not doing as well it's like how fucking naive could i be Right. People are now doing Tide Pod Challenge where they're eating Tide Pods. It's like or people do condoms. Any, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any stupid thing yeah. like that for the 15 seconds of fame, you know? But something that could legitimately be good. Sandy Johnson put her uh, Doubt for a Challenge up on Facebook after the lockdown and she did it to cheer people up. Right. And the response to that was overwhelmingly positive. Right. I never yeah. saw not one negative comment. Yeah. And she did it, to, you know, to cheer people up. 
Right. And, so, and that's the thing, like with this, if people are thinking, well, how is taking a pie in the face stopping suicide and depression awareness? Well, it's bringing a smile to somebody that might be having a piss poor, very upsetting, sad, depressing day. And they come across like a Sandy Johnson or a Nancy McLaughlin or a Ron Sloan, you know, taking a pie in the face. It, br it brings their, their whole mood and attitude. Certainly, certainly not to Judy Aronson, though. That's right. <laughs> yeah that's too too much for her right and so. and when like if if i saw like when i saw like there's times that i'm depressed and i will literally go and watch a doubtfire face challenge whether it's one of mine or a nancy mclaughlin a ron sloan a, a, you know a, you know a sandy johnson and it, it makes me smile like it brings mm -hmm. me a little bit of light especially when my dad passed away a couple of months ago it makes me smile now when I'm having a, set, a bad night where I'm thinking of my dad and I, I watch a video of him pieing me in the face because and how he that smirk on his face that he loved it. <laughs> I've been waiting 30 years to do this. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I tried. I, I was lucky I got Jessica Campbell did mm -hmm. it and she's gone now. Mm hmm she sadly left us at 38 years old and right. I still haven't heard what the autopsy was, Yeah, but she did a doubtfire challenge and I donated to uh, a charity of her choice. Yeah. You see, I take it seriously. Yeah. So I, it kind of makes yeah. my contribution, not just a 13 fanboy, but any chair, any, any film I'm involved with is like, Am I appreciated for it? Right. It makes me feel very unappreciated, right. and uh, yeah, and I don't think Judy appreciated it at all. I just right, and I was just nobody. And, and you don't really, and like you said, you don't like when people just hit you up to donate to their campaign. But with my movie seventy two, you had no problem donating because we we are friends, and I've shown you appreciation over the course of these number of years, like you've shown me. And yep. we're in this together. That's why you throw me some interview names to interview, and I throw you some names to interview, like a Mark Cantu. You know, like you know, give give we help each other out. And part of the indie community, whether it's something as big that is still an indie film like Thirteen Fanboy, or something smaller that not many people may have heard of, like Seventy Two, where you know we are a community and we should be there to help each other. Whether it's a Doubtfire Face Challenge, and if you don't want to do it because you don't want to take a pie in the face. Then just say I I don't want to do it, Greg, but I'm willing to just donate. To be something. be upfront, yeah. you right. know, like don't don't put me in a position where I'm right. donating money to a charity. And by the way, I don't donate a couple of dollars. I'll don't right. I'll, I'll I'll make it worth your while. But if you're yeah. gonna fuck me over, yep. Then guess what? If you appear at a con that I'm at. Yeah. You want to damn well realize I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Whether and I might not even bring it up face to face. I just might just stand in the lineup and let people know this is what this person thinks of a right. sui suicide and depression. Right. You know, some people won't care and that's fine. Some people will care. Yeah. Cuz there are people that have family members that died from suicide due to depression. And yep. And I, even though this cause, like, it's not going to stop the suicide rate, I would say it's going to give some somebody hope that, you know, a laugh when they need it to laugh the most.
I have. That's why I, I had, do that on Facebook. I do like those dancing videos and those mm-hmm. those singing videos because I know people like they even comment that you know, oh yeah, you're a horrible singer, but thanks for the laugh. I really need it, and you know how to make me smile on a day I need it. Like that is what this, this this challenge does. It will give somebody a laugh when they need it the most. I had somebody whose film I donated to or contributed to. He was going to do the Doubtfire Challenge with an actress from Cult Films. Mm-hmm. Now he's like retracting and saying it's not trending. That doesn't set well with me either because I'm a right. co-producer on his film. Right. Yeah. Again, it makes me feel very unappreciated. Yeah. And the thing you know? is, when you uh, when. It doesn't matter if it's trending because if you get the right person to do it. So if say, I'm going to use this as an example. I know he did it, but say Michael Levy did it and mm-hmm. he gets David Howard Thornton to do it. It's all, uh, it's all about, you can't, even if it's not trending, you can get it to trend and you can get it to yeah. trend by nominating people you think will do it like a David Howard Thornton. Then he can nominate his, his, you know, celebrity friends and then they can. Well, nominate plus this. a rose has the right idea. Right. And she might be the reason the right why it trends. Idea. She might be the but, reason why it trends. But there are a lot. There are a lot of people out yeah. there that just see me as a money mark, and they yeah. they're just too lazy to, to. I love the fact, like for example, like when I th- reached out to Tori Wilson on Cameo, when I got that Cameo response, it's like, wow, she didn't ask questions. She knew what this was about. Right. She did it. Yep, she, she did it. She, she, did, she didn't even respond to you until she had the pie and she was ready to be recorded to do it. I thought that was so cool, you know. And she even spoke a little bit about it about about why she's doing it. And yep. I I saw that video and that is a class act. Mm-hmm. Class act. Unlike Judy Aronson. Yeah, unfortunately. I it, it, again, I hate to rag on her. Yeah. She was in Weird Science. She was in Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Yep. You know, but this is what she's left yeah. me. Yeah. Does she actually think I'm going to spend money at her table? I, I had one person I met at Frightmare in the fall. I, I bought four pictures off her table. Mm-hmm. Plus, I got a picture taken with this person. Mm-hmm. So I spent some money on them. I, I yeah. bought from everybody that attended yeah. that con. Right. I think I'm pretty generous and pretty respectful yeah. but when somebody crosses me yeah so my apologies if judy hears this but it's like um yeah my apologies but um yeah and i do want to say that for this right and i do want to say like if anybody's thinking like why is he talking like this or why is this guy not editing will edit this out it's because this is a podcast that is a free public platform and i give my guests the the permission to speak what we're talking about and speak their thoughts because this is an interview and i think if greg's words are going to influence you know other people to know about the doubtfire face challenge and why you know, this is a, an important cause, then you should actually, you know, then why should you do this? Because of suicide and depression. And I think Greg's words are very, very powerful. And I think that everybody should hear this message because there are celebrities out there that, you know, only want, only 
do something if they get money out of it or something. And I'm not saying that's all Judy. I'm not saying it's all this person or that person, but I'm saying that there are celebrities out there that are like that. And the, I mean, if you go on a Facebook group, you see other people like asking, how was this person? How was that person? And they tell their good or bad experiences. This is exactly what this is just in a video interview format. And I appreciate Greg talking about this. And I think that uh, everybody should be aware of this because you know, it's not that we're, we're shitting on her. It's just this is the experience he had. Actually, since this has happened, I've had two or three people contacted me who've had bad experiences with her at cons. So okay. think about that. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, that's and that's how, you know, some celebrities are like that. And if they are like that, that's how they don't get you know, money in other, in future appearances where people don't go to see them. Eventually it's going to come down where the word gets out and nobody's going to be in their line. Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately, but that's, that's the, the, if they, if, you know, that's how they make their bed, they got to lay in it. Well, I, I don't make any money off the doubt for a challenge, you know, right. like I spend money on people's charities mm -hmm. so that to make it worth their while. So mm -hmm. it's, Unfortunate. <laughs> yep, it's unfortunate. I w was trying to do something good, yeah. but that that rubbed me. The, I've had enough people rub me the wrong way with this. That yeah. was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right, was what she did yeah. there. So, right. Oh, and I also too. I'm going to go back to uh, another podcaster we were talking about earlier. I want to make something. Plain, nice and sparkling clear. I remember I, I got Nancy Allen on the show back in August. And uh, and I did this with Jessica Harper from Suspiria. Sometimes, you know, if you want to get somebody's attention and you know that they're involved with a charity, sometimes it doesn't hurt to make a donation in their honor. Yeah, to their charity. Yeah, with Jessica Harper, that the charity in question, T R P X E, they notified her, mm -hmm. and and uh, I got an email from Jessica Harper. We set up an interview with um, Nancy Allen. It was with uh, We Spark Cancer, which mm -hmm. she started when uh, actress Wendy Jo Sperber, who she's been in a couple movies with passed away mm -hmm. and um nancy allen caught wind of my donation mm -hmm. again i'm not going to throw this podcaster under the bus but he wanted to get nancy allen on his podcast i told him how i got her his response was you and your charities, LOL. Now, here's how I read that. He, it, this is how, it basically comes across to me as, so you had to pay for the interview. I didn't pay for anything. I didn't say, so-and-so, I'll give you this amount of money mm -hmm. to do my show. Mm -hmm. I gave to a charity where people can benefit Mm -hmm. and that led to an interview and that's uh, uh, that i'm okay with that basically the interview was 
was a um like uh, the cherry on top of the ice cream right there because you donated to a charity and you got an interview out of it you didn't pay for an interview by donating to a charity well here's the thing you know uh, and maybe i might have not have gotten the interview but you but somebody would have to be pretty harsh not to do an interview mm -hmm. when you do that because yeah. a lot of times they get notified mm -hmm. so um I've never said to somebody, oh, I'll give you money if you do my show. Never done that. Now, I, I don't uh, give charities to get all interviews either. But right. if I see an outlet for somebody I really want to get on the show and I think you know, this will help my chances, you know what? Good. Right. Uh, a charity charity benefits a lot of people. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's just an added bonus. I got no regrets on that. So, absolutely. So, yeah. um, I was thinking, let's play a game quick before we wrap up the interview. Uh, so it's a wrestling type of game. Um, so I have 15 things of your of what you think is the best or the most of a certain category, and I don't want you to think about it. I want you to say the first name that comes to mind right away. So, uh, for example, if I say who is the best, I'm going to do one that's not on here, like who is the best, um, I don't know, uh, the best, uh, re like wrestling uh, animal mascot or whatever, you would say, the, like, say Damien, like you would say the first thing that comes to your, that your, your mind, like you don't, no thinking about it, just lightning round. So, number one, best wrestler. You know what, when it comes to best wrestler, I think of who I might look up the most online to watch wrestle. Right. And I'd have to say, I get the most entertainment out of Ricky, the dragon steamboat. Nice. Speaking of which I got him in here. <laughs> here you go. Nice. I think Ricky steamboat to me is a great wrestler. He's got nice. the best arm drag. He he's just so mm -hmm. smooth. Right. everything he does in the ring all right um i i gotta go with steamboat uh to me i think he's a terrific wrestler what about best entertainer in wrestling oh that's a tough one <laughs> i'm gonna go with rick flair yeah because yeah. rick flair even his, his promos not just not only is he a great wrestler yeah oh my goodness his promos like yeah. There's a lot of memes on him and stuff. I'll right. go with Ric Flair in terms gets, of entertainer. It gets even harder because speaking of promos, who is best at giving a promo? That's a good question. Again, a good question. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite promos, though. And I could mention a lot of people like Randy Savage is great. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair they would have you in the palm of their hand before a match, but uh, Terry Funk is great, but I like Jake. Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts. Roddy yeah. Piper is another great one too, yeah. but Dusty Jake, good. Yeah. Jake, the, I, yeah. I actually one night at work when I was listening to my headphones, I was actually listening to do a playlist of Jake's promos. Nice. And there was about 50 plus promos and i was just listening to them and just listening i don't even know where jake comes up because today it's all scripted yeah it's all bullshit today yeah 
Jake, the stuff, the way he uses his words. Yeah. He had uh, great promos. I'll go yeah. with Jake the Snake. Awesome. What about best tag team? You know what? I think the greatest tag team is the Legion of Doom, yeah. Animal and Hawk. They had speed and they had strength. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a great combination. I don't like it. Like, one of the big reasons I didn't like the Rockers is because there was no strength there. Right. You know, I watched them against the Powers of Pain, and the Powers of Pain were just beating the shit out of them because yeah. every high flying move if they did cross by they would catch them and mm-hmm. with the legion of doom i mean i think hawk's a little quicker yeah animals a powerhouse but yeah. they're both tough guys they both yeah. can move well i also really like the funk mm-hmm. brothers who are very yeah. underrated because uh they can they could take it to you any style yeah. of match yeah yep. What about best female wrestler? Wow. Enough, right? There's a lot of good ones. Wow. Um, I'm not going to give you a definite answer. I have a lot of respect for Wendy Richter. Yeah. Who, uh, if you go on YouTube, has done, you can find her doing at least yeah. three steel cage matches back yeah. in the day. Wendy was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of people I watch, today I love Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Like Charlotte Flair is a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. But in terms of people I actually go on and watch, Velvet McIntyre and Princess Victoria. And I, I gotta say Velvet first off, because Velvet led me to Princess Victoria, who I've yeah. had on the show a couple of times. But yeah, Velvet to me. I'd never seen, and I've only seen Ricky Steamboat do it since. Had a crossbody spun around in circles as she was taking her opponent down. Velvet wrestled barefoot. Um, I can watch Velvet all day wrestle. She's very smooth, like the dragon in the ring. And um, I, I'm going to say my favorite um, in terms of best. I'm going to say Velvet McIntyre. I like her. Yeah. Nice. What about your the best male manager? Oh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, definitely. Yeah, hands down. Bobby, Bobby Heenan. Weasel. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great ones. Freddie Blassie was great, you know. Yeah. Um, Captain Lou Albano, yeah. you know, Jimmy Hart. But to me, Bobby Heenan, even when he did color commentary, you know, he he's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> The stuff he comes up with, and he would always, it, like anytime they challenge, he'd have a guy challenge Hulk Hogan. Yep. You know, the match is going to end with him getting a, an atomic drop. <laughs> yep. I, I love the brain. I love yes. the brain. God bless him. You know, absolutely. So, what about best female valet? Oh, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. I don't have an Elizabeth figure here. She's hard to find, but I do have the Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage. Ooh, Miss Elizabeth, yeah. and uh, and uh, definitely, I even like the sensational Sherry. Classic. Sherry's great. Well, yep. Sherry, here's the thing with Sherry. I hear so many, especially talking to Princess Victoria. Um, Sherry um, was a lovely person in person, mm-hmm. but Sherry, I'm she could take a bump. Like I've seen Hulk Hogan. 
throw her around the ring. She can take a bump, you know? Yep. Yep. Now, for me, this would be a hard one because there's a number of them I like. This one might not be so hard for you. We'll see. Best WrestleMania. Easy. Easy. I knew it would be easy. Easy. And it's the one that got me interested in wrestling because I remember Hostess Potato Chips had stickers (laughs) come out in the chip bags. Mm-hmm. And I remember somebody in uh, my class had a sticker with Jake the Snake Roberts. And me being a snake fan, love snakes. It was a picture of Jake the Snake with his python. And I was like, mm-hmm. I got the person to explain this. Well, he said, this guy wrestles and he puts a snake on his opponents. That intrigued me. That was my introductory to wrestling. That intrigued me. And I had uh, a cousin and cousins and an uncle that watched wrestling a lot so but the thing is with those hostess potato chips you would never believe some of the weird characters mm-hmm. that were on those ch- stickers you know in addition to jake the snake there was roddy piper there was randy savage there was ricky steamboat there was george the animal steel there was kamala there was sika there was king kong bundy the honky tonk man Outback jack hillbilly jim so many of these odd characters paul mr wonderful orndorff and i was like these are human these are human but they're like they're like cartoon human cartoons Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't see characters like this anymore. Mm-hmm. But th- that really enticed me. So I went to my cousins, and they were watching wrestling. And this was just before WrestleMania three. And there was uh, I didn't see Jake on that night, but I saw a six man tag elimination match, mm-hmm. where I became a huge fan of somebody. The six-man tag elimination, of course, is when you, when somebody gets pinned, they go back to the dressing room and the match continues mm-hmm. until uh, one team is won. Mm-hmm. Um, the heel team had uh, the adorable Adrian Adonis, <laughs> who is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. His partner was King Harley Race, who I don't have an LGN of Harley Race right now. I'd like to get one. I have a lot of respect for Harley Race. Right. And their partner was Randy Savage, Mm -hmm. who come out there with the gorgeous Miss Elizabeth. Their opponents were uh, the Junkyard Dog. (laughs) Legend. Yep. The Junkyard Dog, um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, mm-hmm. and one of my personal favorites, Rowdy Roddy really? Piper. And then it was announced that Roddy Piper was going to be retiring at WrestleMania 3. Between him and Terry Funk, I don't know who's retired more, <laughs> you know. But... Um, Nonetheless, um, Piper won the match after uh, uh, come down to he and Randy Savage, and and uh, Piper outsmarted the Macho Man and was the sole survivor. But um, I became a big Piper fan that night because okay. I was 
quite amused with him. That led to WrestleMania three. WrestleMania three to me is the greatest WrestleMania Mm -hmm. ever. That Pontiac Silverdome, you can feel the energy in that crowd. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is every single match told a story. I'm going to go through this with you. Okay. You had the Can-Am connection in the opening match, Rick Martel and Tom Zink against the magnificent Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. Great match to start out with. Mm-hmm. The Can-Am connection, it was uh, a, their first big pay-per-view, and uh, it highlighted them nicely, you know? You had next a battle of the full Nelson between Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules Hernandez, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that match, you had some bloodletting. Yes. Hercules, of course, uh, Hercules gets that chain out and busts Billy Jack Haynes open with it. Yeah. You know, so that second match in, and you got blood. Yeah. You know, uh, Billy Jack Haynes gets busted open, and boy, that was brutal. Yeah. Next, they went lighter. You had Hillbilly Jim. Mm-hmm. Little Beaver and and uh, Haiti Kid, to uh, I don't know if the term midget is allowed, but <laughs> they were called midget wrestlers at the time. Yeah. They took on King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo. Midget wrestlers were extraordinary to watch, very funny, and they know how to put on a big a good show. Then you got Hillbilly Jim and King Kong Bundy stepping in there. And Bundy just came off main eventing with Hulk Hogan, the previous WrestleMania in a steel cage. And um, it would have been fine just to have a match between Hillbilly Jim and King Kong Bundy. Mm -hmm. But what made this match stand out? King Kong Bundy had enough a little beaver coming in and (laughs) (laughs) biting him in the ass or whatever it was he was doing. Bundy grabs hold of him, picks him up, and slams him. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, that was a long way down for Little Beaver. And then he drops an elbow on him. And I'm like, I thought that was just the greatest thing. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong Bundy doing that. Then you had a loser must bow match. The junkyard dog against King Harley Race, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, Harley Race a much, much better wrestler than the Junkyard Dog, although the Junkyard Dog had tremendous, tremendous uh, um, charisma. Harley Race caps off the win, but boy, does Harley Race take some bumps in that match, you know? Tremendous bumps. And But, I mean, Junkyard Dog has to bow, but yeah. afterwards he grabs a steel chair and just whacks Harley Race with it. <laughs> it grabs Harley Race's robe and just leaves with the robe and um and uh then you had the fabulous Rougeau brothers Jacques and Raymond against the dream team of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus Beefcake of course they had luscious Johnny Valiant their manager and Dino Bravo in the corner of course people knew it was going to happen uh the dream team takes a win but um they leave Beefcake in the ring So the new dream team was going to be Valentine and Bravo, which 
to me was not a good choice because at least when Valentine and Beefcake were together, they had the tag team titles at one time. So where they lost it to the Bulldogs at WrestleMania two, but that match was notable because, you know, the ending of it, Brutus Beefcake ends up turning it to a face. Yep. Midway through, you have Rowdy Roddy Piper versus the adorable Adrian Adonis. Roddy Piper announced his first of many retirements. <laughs> and uh, apparently John Carpenter was at this event. Oh. Because that was where he met Roddy Piper to cast him in They Live. Okay. Yeah, there's some trivia for you. If I ever know? meet John Carpenter, I gotta ask him about being at WrestleMania three. Nice. But um, it was a hair versus hair match, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, Adonis got put to sleep by the hot rod. <laughs> put him to sleep. Adonis got his head shaved by the uh, the now christened Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Nice. And uh, Adonis looked like a mess at the end of that that match. Uh, but um, Roddy Piper went out a winner, you know. And um, then you had the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana versus the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, and Dangerous Danny Davis. Yeah. The story here, Danny Davis was a former referee. Mm-hmm. Danny Davis cost the British Bulldogs their belts against the Hart Foundation. Mm-hmm. He also was instrumental in Randy Savage defeating Tito Santana for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. So this whole match was about Danny Davis getting his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a handicap match because most of the match was Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart in there. And the Bulldogs and Santana took it to them, you know. But one point in the match, and the reason this match was a six-man tag because Dynamite Kid had a back injury. Right. And was, you know, they needed to take the pressure off. But Dynamite Kid was a was a fighter. Mm-hmm. And he took he had he did he did the selling on his team. Nice. And he took a beating in the ring. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of times. Where Danny Davis got tagged in. <laughs> he steps in, he saunters in there, <laughs> and he kicks Dynamite Kid in the gut and then kicks him again, mm-hmm. goes like this, wanders over Cockley, and tags out. <laughs> this happens twice, and people are jeering Danny Davis. They just want him to get his ass handed to him. <laughs> well, finally, you know, they have Dynamite Kid down on the mat. And then the hearts go and they slingshot Danny Davis into the ring to do a splash. Dynamite Kid sticks his knees up. This was the prize of the match. (laughs) Tags in in Tito Santana. Santana just... (laughs) He hits him with a flying forearm and you can... um, uh, Just (laughs) flattens... uh, Nice. Danny Davis, and he goes for a figure four leg lock, and Nightheart breaks that up. <laughs> Santana tags Davy Boy Smith. Davy Boy Smith comes in there. Um, boy, does he unloose some hell on Danny Davis? <laughs> he hits. 
he gets him up and he does a pile driver on Danny Davis and Danny Davis just sits up like this and just flops down like he really <laughs> sells it he gets him up he does a suplex on him and Davy Boy can hold the best of them up there and down again Danny Davis body goes up and he just down. he hits a clothesline on him and you hear Danny Davis just howl and pain and when he lands on the mat his ass is sticking up <laughs> and then Davy Boy picks him up and does the shoulder slam and that was where Jim Neidhart comes in and, nice. and it's funny because Danny Davis ends up getting the pin due to the Jimmy Hart's megaphone mm -hmm. so it's like oh they got away with it but at the same token it's a fun match because you're just waiting for Danny Davis to get the piss beat out of him. Boy, does he ever. Because yeah. it's like Gorilla Monsoon said on commentary, he can't even walk. They're like holding him up, walking him out of there. Yeah. Next, you had the Birdman, Coco Beware versus the Natural Butch Reed. This is a match a lot of people overlook. It was actually a better match than a lot of people give it credit for. Coco's a high flyer. Butch Reed's a powerhouse. Um, I thought it was a decent match. Um, Butch Reed, of course, comes out on top. And um, um, anyway, Butch Reed comes out on top. Um, Coco Beware doesn't like the fact that his tights got held for the pin and lays into Butch Reed. And... Uh, his manager slick lays into him with the cane mm -hmm. tito santana enters and just not only beats the crap out of uh slick but starts ripping his clothes off you know finally slick gets out of there you could just see him running up the aisle just frailing like a suit half hanging off of him santana just did a number on him then they double do a double drop kick on butch reed knocking him out of there and uh I had fun with that. Then came the match of the night. Yeah. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Macho Man Savage. To me, the greatest match in WrestleMania history. You know, and I would put Bret Hart and Steve Austin as probably my second, you know, for WrestleMania 13, 10 years later. But this match here was the crown jewel of the night to me. Um, with the history, of course, Randy Savage used the timekeeper's bell to put the dragon out of commission. Yeah. Steamboat come back. And of course, the dragon had uh, George the Animal Steel in his corner. Yeah. You know, and Savage had Miss Elizabeth, who was easy on the eyes, as we all know. <laughs> um. And, of course, we all know Steamboat captured the Intercontinental title. That was a tremendous match. Yeah. They were both well-versed in the ring together. What a great match. And um, yeah. it was uh, the highlight of the night to me was Steamboat versus Savage. Yeah. Next, you had um, Jake the Snake Roberts versus the Honky Tonk Man. Now, this was where uh, shortly before that, Jake had turned face. You know, Honky Tonk Man ambushed him with the guitar um, and in, in the snake pit. So Jake was out for revenge. Jake had Alice Cooper in his corner yeah. to keep an eye on Jimmy Hart. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, the honky tonk man takes the win after holding on to the ropes. But I love the fact post match, Jake takes the guitar and takes a swing at the honky tonk man and shatters it right on the ring post. And the honky tonk man is running up the aisle, but Jimmy Hart is trapped in the ring. <laughs> Alice Cooper gets in there and Jimmy Hart's getting his fist up ready to go. And, and Jake gives him, puts him in a full Nelson and points to the bag. Alice Cooper gets Damien out of the bag. And, and um, Jimmy Hart, you could hear him squeal. <laughs> He's kicking and squealing. And according to Jake in some interviews, he said that was not acting. Jimmy Hart was really petrified. And they toss Jimmy Hart in the match, and Jake takes a snake and just drops a snake on him. And Jimmy Hart just goes like this and out of the ring, and the honky-tonk man's back to take him back. And uh, that was great. Then, before the main event, you had the Killer Bees versus the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, you know. Love the Iron Sheik. I got the Iron Sheik. I got Sheiky B. I got the big killer bees in here too, but the Iron Sheik, you know. <laughs> nice. This match, of course, Hacksaw Jim Duggan comes down with his two by four to prevent Nikolai Volkov from singing the Russian anthem. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> The Killer Bees were a, a high-flying team. Of course, they would use the mask a lot to, to confuse the referee, and but they didn't use the mask in this match. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I liked about this match is uh, jumping Jim Brunzel, who is known for his have one of the best drop kicks in wrestling. He ends up selling in the match. He's the one that's getting his ass kicked, and he is taking a beating you know he gets caught in a bear hug by Nikolai Volkov and he claps Volkov's ears and he still can't get over there to make a tag you know to be Brian Blair there's one point in the match the Iron Sheik slaps that camel clutch on jumping Jim Brunzel and uh, Brunzel is in the center of the ring he's trapped Sheik has the camel clutch outside the ring you know you've got um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan going after Slick with the 2 by 4 Then he's going after Nikolai Volkov with the 2 by 4 <laughs> And finally, you know, uh, Volkov goes under the bottom rope, and so does Slick, and they're out the other side. Duggan comes in there, and he stops. Right. He looks at the crowd. He takes a 2 by 4 and clocks the Iron Sheik across <laughs> the back. You know, and Sheik lets go of the hole, and the Duggan lays the boots to him. And, of course, the bees get disqualified, you know. But um, I had fun with that match. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see a WrestleMania where the Iron Sheik gets to fly the camel flash, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had your main event, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And what I liked about that match was that all the odds were against Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. When he goes for that slam at the beginning of the match and uh, he hurts his back, adds a great deal of emotion and suspense to the match. Mm -hmm. And him body slamming Andre, at the time, nobody had really seen that. Of course, we know now history, now that Vince can't control the internet, you know that several guys have body slammed Andre the Giant, including the Ultimate Warrior, including Harley Race, including Antonio Inoki. Mm-hmm. 
um, including Kamala, you know. But um, at that time, you know, Andre hadn't been beaten in a very, according to that, 15 years. So I know this was a long-winded, very, very detailed answer. Mm-hmm. But to me, WrestleMania three has never been topped. Right. Never ever been topped. That's yeah. the best WrestleMania. Yeah. What about best wrestling gimmick? Best wrestling gimmick. Certainly not the Red Rooster, because that ruined Terry <laughs> Taylor, that's for sure. <laughs> the gobbledygooker. Terry, Ta- Terry, Terry Taylor was a big star in one of the promotional wrestling yeah. wrestling promotions. Vince mm-hmm. just ruined him with that, that gimmick. Yeah. Now, some people are able to take it and go. Adrian Adonis was not mm-hmm. always the adorable Adrian Adonis. Mm-hmm. That was Vince kind of punishing him. But Adrian Adonis made it work. Some people can do that. I don't know how you make the red rooster work. Gimmick. <laughs> oh. Doink the clown. <laughs> Doink the clown was an interesting gimmick. I like it. was, of it. course, Matt Bourne, who was in WrestleMania 1, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Steamboat beat him at WrestleMania 1. Yeah, Doink the clown was interesting. I don't know. I, I keep thinking back to those chip bags. <laughs> And all those weird, odd characters like your George the Animal Steals. And mm-hmm. I guess if I was going to go with a gimmick, look at a gimmick that was primed to fail that ended up working. And I can think of one, and that is the Honky Tonk Man. There you go. His, this was a guy they could not get over as a baby face when he arrived. And they had to, they turned him heel. And him having the Intercontinental title run, I would have never have thought of that. If I was going to have Steamboat drop the belt, it would have been probably to Harley Race. Yeah. It was actually kind of an ingenious move to have him drop it to the Honky Tonk Man because mm-hmm. it actually cemented the Honky Tonk Man in wrestling history. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Honky Tonk Man for a awesome. gimmick. What about best wrestling faction or stable? Four Horsemen. Yeah. Yeah, four horsemen all the way. Best finishing move. (sighs) DDT, but only, only, only done by Jake the Snake. Yep. Now the DDT is used by everybody and kicked out at one, kicked out at two. But back when Jake the Snake did it, he was pretty much the only one that did do it. And you were down for the count. Yeah, Jake... I loved how he did the GDT too. Mm-hmm. Like he would bring them up and there was some kind of a jerk movement he would do. And he would have, uh, <laughs> have his, uh, slap the opponent's back and he would have his hand yeah. in the air and bring the opponent down. Right. Jake did the DDT better than any, Arn Anderson didn't have a bad one, but Jake had the best yeah. DDT. Yeah. You know, it was terrific. Um mm-hmm. Uh, there's a video on there online I've watched numerous times of just Jake doing the DDT on various opponents. And I uh, and, uh, love the way he does that, uh, that move. Nobody did it better, and probably nobody will ever do it better than what Jake did it. Right. Best promoter. 
best promoter. You mean kind of like an a Vince McMahon style? Like a Vince McMahon, Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff type of style, uh, Tony Khan. I would like to say Vince McMahon, but <sighs> basically what Vince did was he got rid of all the uh, territories, which mm -hmm. he he did something great, but yet he he's also what's wrong with wrestling as well. He allowed people like Hulk Hogan to get in his ear, because yeah. Hulk Hogan, nobody nobody's gonna be him, you know. <laughs> um, Vince had no faith in small wrestlers because if he was smart at all, he would have uh, put a lot more stock in Ricky Steamboat than he did. Because I tell you, NWA or WCW certainly put stock in Ricky Steamboat, which has led to his feud with Ric Flair. Right. So I can't say Vince because although Vince led to WrestleMania. Yeah. Vince, in a lot of ways, is what's wrong with wrestling. He kisses ass way too much with celebrities. <laughs> you know? Um, right now, I'd say Tony Khan, probably. Yeah. Bringing in CM Punk was certainly a smart move. Yeah. I want to say Vince, but... Yeah. Because there's a lot about Vince McMahon I admire... But there's an awful lot of stuff about Vince McMahon I don't like either. Yeah. Yeah. You know. What about yeah. best entrance? Best entrance. You want me to tell you who I thought had a great entrance? Oh. I'm going back to the days of the chip bags. <laughs> Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Yep. That's who I think of. I think class gracefulness beauty elizabeth would come out and she would have a beautiful outfit on you know mm -hmm. usually something that's sparkling and whatnot she looked gorgeous yeah and randy savage would come out at the time he would have this robe on you know and yeah. and he'd have the headband like here and the the shades and yeah. he'd get in the ring and he would twirl around in circles and he'd have his finger in the air and it wouldn't matter whether yeah. it was a face or a heel you know yeah um you were glued to him you know mm -hmm. i think savage had a great entrance yeah. yeah yep and the last one most legendary wrestler you know what some people say hulk hogan but there's only one guy i have that much respect for piper Ooh. You know who it is? Damara, I mean, Bruno San Martino. Bruno San Martino. Yeah. I think Bruno San Martino was the greatest champion wrestling yeah. ever had. Um, yes, mm -hmm. he was pretty simple in the ring, but you believed him when he did his thing, you know? Yeah. Bruno was tremendously over. He had the title for yeah. a length of eight years. Yeah. And, uh, You ask Larry Zavisco, and Larry yeah. Zavisco will tell you Bruno had a tremendous impact on his career yeah. because people hated Larry <laughs> Zavisco when he turned on him, you know? Yeah. Um, and that led to um, pre-WrestleMania, there was three showdown in Shea events, yeah. Shea Stadiums, and mm -hmm. Bruno uh, headlined one against Larry Zavisco in a steel cage, which uh, Bruno took the win. Um, 
to me, when I think of legendary wrestlers, Bruno, I have yep. a lot of respect for Bruno San Martino. Yep. Funny story. I was at WrestleMania 29 in New Jersey mm-hmm. and uh, back in 2013, and I saw Bruno San Martino get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame along with oh, nice. Chris Stratus. Yeah. It was, it was a, I saw that in Madison Square Garden. Me and my dad went. Amazing yep. memories. I'm, I'm a big, I'm going to put these in this bag. Yep. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Bruno, you know. Yeah. You know, I, 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 there's certain, like, I don't watch wrestling now. I just mm-hmm. find today it's just bullshit. Yeah. You know, um, yep. so I, I don't have a good time with wrestling today. I'll go on yeah. my computer and I will watch mm-hmm. wrestling. And mm-hmm. I'll watch Ricky Steamboat. I tap in a lot because mm-hmm. Steamboat is somebody who he doesn't do the same match over and over. Mm-hmm. I'll watch Jake the Snake Roberts a lot. Right. You know, I like watching him wrestle. Um <laughs> And if I want to watch hardcore wrestling, and I don't mind hardcore wrestling, but it depends on how it's done. Terry Funk knew how to do it. He, yeah. He's the one that taught Mick Foley. Yeah. And um, um, I've watched Terry Funk, a lot of his stuff in Japan, mm-hmm. you know? So, nice. yeah. And I watch for women's wrestling. Like I said, Velvet McIntyre, Princess yeah. Victoria. I could watch those two for hours, nice. you know? Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So the last question I got for you, um, do you, do you have any um, interviews coming up that you would like to promote to the listening and viewing audience so they could stay tuned to see who you have coming on the show of Python's Paradise? Well, I say tune into my YouTube channel. That's where I, I update. Um, I wait on my brother to get uh, my MP3s up for YouTube. I still got three more 2019s that are not up there yet. Uh, my second Trace, actually my first interview, no, my second interview with Tracy Savage is one. Um, Julian Davis from Eyes Wide Shut, but that one needs some sound fixing on it because the Skype at the station was not up to par. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Carolyn Grimes from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Um, that one needs up. And I got 30 from uh, 2020 that are not up yet. So I'm waiting on my brother to get those ready. Mm-hmm. Now I, but I've been putting up my uh, Zoom ones from 2021 in the meantime. Right. Tomorrow I'm set knock on wood to have eight people from 13 fanboy come on and we're just going to celebrate the film and Mm -hmm. have eggnog and i'm gonna wear my 13 fanboy shirt but they can wear bad christmas sweaters if they want (laughs) um it would be nice if you can get like a like a ron sloan or a Haley greenbauer to show up Haley greenbauer turned me down this year i had her on once before really yeah, um, I, she said she's busy in the foreseeable future, you know, mm-hmm. but um, nonetheless, I, 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 I don't feel, I don't know, I'm not feeling a lot of love for thir- like from the 13 fanboy crowd, mm-hmm. and it's not the uh, what they call the lower tier people, 
Because right. like I said, I got eight people coming on here tomorrow. Right. But Judy Aronson sucked a little bit of it out of me, you know? And it's sad to say that because I love Friday the 13th, the final chapter, and I really liked her in it. Mm -hmm. And I heard so many nice things about her from Ted White mm -hmm. and from uh, Vernon Wells and uh, yeah. Weird Science. I heard so many nice things about Judy and for and for her to crush those expectations. Yeah. You know, I hate to come down on here and bury her. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, if you don't want to do the Doubtfire Challenge, just say no. Right. But her to do the video the previous year, and I get it. Can't do it because of COVID. Okay, that's, that's understandable. Right. I get that. I don't want you to get out and get yourself, risk yourself. Mm -hmm. But when I send you a cameo the following year, because I thought maybe she'd forgotten, I sent a few cameos out for Doubtfire. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure she was going to do one in her response it 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 kind of hurt mm -hmm. you know and i was like wow like and i had said in the cameo in brackets 13 fanboy co-producer and mm -hmm. it's like that didn't mean anything you know and yeah. so i gotta say i was is this heartbroken sound a little mm -hmm. too melodramatic maybe it does <laughs> and i hope that i can bring myself to let it go yeah but uh and maybe there might come a time you know if i see her at a con maybe i'll maybe to let it go maybe i'll be fine because i really don't want to disrupt her mm -hmm. i don't want to cost her money mm -hmm. but she doesn't sound to me like the same person that ted white and vernon wells described to me right and by the way teb white gave me her number whether uh debbie suvorhees tells me to lose the number or not teb white trusted me yeah you know yep. teb white wouldn't do that if he didn't trust me yeah so sorry it didn't work out i'm still going to promote the doubt Fireface challenge because i think there's i'm right now right now as we speak um i got a text from an actress, I'm not going to say who it is, mm -hmm. who I've been kind of communicating with. She's been on the show before, mm -hmm. but she lost her stepfather last year and um, they were very close and she has been struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. And I've been kind of gone going alongside her. I've been praying for her every day, you know, and um, I've, I've been, I, I get, because I've beaten depression a couple of times. And she communicates with me because she's, she knows I've beaten it before. Mm -hmm. And I keep in touch with her to give her hope, mm -hmm. you know. And there's nothing in that for me. There's nothing financial. I didn't throw the doubt fireface challenge out to her because I don't think she's in that state where she can receive right. it, you know? Right. But I'm keeping in community. Like I take that seriously. Mm -hmm. So that is, I, again, Judy's response rubbed me the wrong way. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things I hope for, if I ever see her at a con, I'm hope, I hope I'm able to go up and meet her without this being an issue. Yeah. That's what I hope for. Yeah. Because uh, coming from a Christian household, we're taught to forgive. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but that bothered me. Just say no. Yeah. Just say no. Yeah. But, um, but she's not the only one. She's not the only one. Yeah. You know, that screwed me over on that. Just don't, don't do that. Right. You know? Costs less than five dollars to do that. Absolutely. Don't do that. You know. Absolutely. You know, you never know who could see that, because people are going to watch the celebrities do it. Mm -hmm. They're not going to watch me do it. You know. Right. But there is a couple of hopefuls from Thirteen Fanboy that um, yeah. got my fingers crossed on. Yeah. You know, so hopefully, you know. But I, I have, I, I'm not getting any money out of it, and I have supported other people's charities, as you said. Every year when you post about your dad, yeah, I always make a donation. Yep, absolutely. You know, absolutely. so I hope for peace of mind with Judy Aronson, mm -hmm. but she's not somebody I'm reaching out to have on the show, and I don't think she'd do my show anyway. Right. So it don't, it don't matter. But you know what? I've met some wonderful people through 13 Fanboy. Right. Absolutely. And they might not be right up there on the, on the poster, mm -hmm. but they're great people still. Yep. God created them as well, you know? Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to having that get together tomorrow. Absolutely. I think that I'm looking forward to it as well. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, I can't wait to see it. And I look forward to... Uh, Talking to you, uh, obviously, again, next December, maybe we can make that game with different categories, a yearly thing as well. That was kind of fun. That was fun, yep. Yeah. But uh, in terms of other interviews lined up, I don't want to jinx myself by mm -hmm. saying anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I do have some people. Well, I did mention Tracy Savage, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I got yeah. somebody connected with Taxi Driver that uh, nice. I've got scheduled. Nice. You know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, there's some people I'm going to reach out to. You know, I, I'm 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 going to see if I can get Lar Park Lincoln back on. Okay. Um, Vanessa Angel, somebody I'd like to have back on. These are people, of course, I haven't reached out to them for this yet. I got to, you know, because. I've interviewed them both in December, and of course, it's coming up on that where it's like I see their names. I'm like, okay, these are people I like. This is what I mean by when right. I come across their names on the calendar. Yeah, yeah, and me. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why I don't think of you in the middle of the year because right. I see, yeah, yeah. But absolutely, um, you're you're easy to schedule. Both winter yep. can, winter can be tricky, you know. Yeah. It really so, can be. All yeah. right. Well, I thank you, Greg, for joining me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. You are my and, the first person I had on that I had on previously in a solo interview to come back for another solo interview. I've had other people on more than once, uh, but you're the first person that has done it uh, twice. So, yeah, absolutely. Actually, you're the second. I, I take that back. You're the second. The first is Debbie Sue Voorhees. Oh, my director. 
Yes, your director. I had, her on, boy. I had her on, she was like my third ever interview. I had her on to discuss part five of Friday the 13th. And then she asked me to come back on to promote 13th Fanboy. So that was that was an honor when you get when you get somebody to ask you to be on their show, especially of her stature. That was an honor. She did not ask me. I asked her. Yeah. I wish I didn't have to ask her. Yeah. But I had her on for a fifth time, and uh, I don't know what happened, but she was an hour late. Oof. Yeah, and I know she's I, in England now with uh, Haley Greenbauer, and believe they're in England together. Um, they're uh, promoting Thirteen Fanboy over there and doing a Q and A and everything. So, yeah. Well, I had her on here for a fifth time. Yeah. We talked about the film, and uh, I don't know why she was an hour late, and. And uh, I don't think she wanted to get into it. And quite frankly, I just wanted to do the interview and I wasn't going to press her, press her on it. So, you yeah. know, well, yeah, at least you got her. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the people that are going to be on for, uh, you know, I believe it's tomorrow. I think you said so. I look tomorrow. To yeah, we, we pushed it back a half hour so we could get Troy Elke. Nice. See, Troy Elke, again, an amazing, talented guy. Yep who's not a mainstream guy, mm -hmm. but yet the fact that these other people that I'm having on tomorrow are willing to shift mm -hmm. back a, a half hour just so that Troy can be on, yeah. it shows you how much they love Troy Elke. And you yeah. know, who, who can blame them? I mean, Absolutely. Troy... Troy um, <laughs> Troy Troy was cut from a different cloth. <laughs> you definitely was. Uh, but yes, I look forward to seeing that and hearing about it. And uh, you have a great rest of your uh, night, Greg. Absolutely. And of course, as we got to conclude on this, as the Iron Sheik would say, he will make you humble in your boxer shorts if you don't behave <laughs> all righty and on that note thank you shiki thank you greg you have a great rest of your night and you uh and i'll talk to you later buddy i am going to go to work <laughs> sounds good have fun <laughs> all right <laughs> all right god bless you, you man yep, bye bye bye